Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. How to find my calling. Step number one, secure a biblical understanding of what a calling is. What is a calling? I've always liked the practical definition that Gary North uses. He says a calling is the most important thing you can do in which you would be the most difficult to replace. In other words, a person's calling refers to something that they do that serves others and that creates lasting value. When a person discovers their calling, they have found their quote-unquote purpose in life. It's unfortunate that many people never consider the topic at hand. Subsequently, they fail to operate in terms of their calling. The result is a perpetual sense of aimlessness where they wander from one thing to another without any idea of where their life is headed. They end up either consistently frustrated or settle for comfortable stagnation. And, even though a call is a biblical idea, it is even more unfortunate that very few modern Christians live in terms of this doctrine. That is, they do not think about how they, as Christians, are called to serve their neighbors by providing uniquely Christian service. In short, they do not think biblically about their calling and how that animates what they do. Those who do think biblically about their calling find the most satisfaction in life because what they do aligns all the more closely with the Creator's design. In general, your calling incorporates your unique talents, passions, and abilities and applies it to your unique contextual location. Of course, for the Christian, your calling is even more specific. Cognizant that human beings are made for God's glory, a calling answers how you specifically will glorify the Lord by what you do during your season on earth. Now let us be mindful that a calling does not necessarily imply a job or work under the domain of the church or under the sphere of religion. It matters little where you practice your calling, it matters much what you do and how you do it. Accordingly, a calling can be to preach and teach as a pastor. It can also be to work as a physician, to volunteer to train others in a foreign country, to make furniture, or to raise children. Biblically speaking, what we find is people who are doing one thing and then God draws them out into their calling. For example, Saul, the man who would become the Apostle Paul, was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. On his way there, he met Jesus and subsequently was struck with blindness. It is then that the Lord sent Ananias to minister to Saul. In Acts 9, 15-16, the text says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer on behalf of my name. These verses tell us that Paul's calling was to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He was a special messenger sent by God to tell the non-Jewish world about Christ. The rest of the New Testament clarifies for us that Paul did this primarily by his missionary work and writing a bulk of the epistles. Also consider the calling of Peter, James, and John. Matthew 4, 18-22 says, 
As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left the nets and followed him. As Jesus was going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. That fishermen became fishers of men speaks to the principle that, in general, God usually prepares those whom he calls for their calling by first grooming them in a related field. For example, in the Old Testament, Moses had been a shepherd of sheep in the wilderness. Then what happened? He was called by God. To do what? To shepherd religious Hebrews in the wilderness. It's important not to miss as well that in these examples, God calls productive people out of their comfort zones into something that was not only disruptive, but also permanently life-altering. The simple point to be made here is that there is often a distinction between a person's job and their calling. In a job, a person works to earn a paycheck, a job is predictable and conventional, and puts food on the table. A calling may put food on the table eventually, but how is not always precisely clear at the time of the calling. It's important to note that there are few people whose job and their calling are one in the same. For example, pastors and seminary professors. Now that I have established a rough idea of what a calling is, how do you go about clarifying yours? How to find my calling, step number two. Evaluate your interests and talents accurately. No one is called to do something kicking and screaming. Yes, they may often get tired and encounter difficulty in what they do, but they have an earnest interest that keeps them going. Their passion for their work is the fire that drives them for the long run. Passion and a purpose-driven calling go hand in hand, so when you do discover your calling, you will normally find it's something you're tremendously zealous about. Therefore, evaluate your interests because you are called to do what you are already interested in. Accordingly, the greater your interests are, the greater the reason for you to pursue those interests. It would not be wise to pursue something that you are not interested in, for this is not likely to be your calling. And the more specific your interests are, the more likely that interest can become your calling. So, for example, if you are a great teacher, that is an asset, but the world is full of interchangeable great teachers. It's a completely different ballgame if you are a great teacher with a specific interest. For example, the history of warfare amongst Native American tribes prior to the 17th century. That specific interest means you could potentially operate in a very small niche in which you would be very hard to replace. Here's an action step that I think will be helpful in helping you to discern your calling. Take out a blank piece of white paper. Draw two lines from top to bottom, creating three columns. At the top of the first column, write down interests. Spend time and write down the top five things in life that you are interested in. An easy way to identify your interests would be to ask yourself a few questions such as, what type of work appeals to me? What would I be willing to do for the remainder of my life? In what areas would I like to improve my skills if I had the opportunity?
The next thing to do is to honestly assess what you're good at, your talents, which includes your skills and your capacities. Now let's be honest, you may have an interest in something, but not be very talented in that interest, which means you must now spend time to develop it. That simply means working out your calling may require working on your calling before stepping into it. Of course, by working on your calling, I mean acquiring more education, developing skills, and obtaining the wisdom of a mentor. Ironically, the more talented you are, the more difficult it is to clarify your calling because you may potentially be able to do many things quite well. For the person who is really good in only one thing, this is rare, reality has already helped them to narrow their choices. On your piece of paper, write talents at the top of the second column. List five things that you do well. A simple way to generate this list is to ask yourself, what do I do best? You should also seek the input of others here, friends, family members, teachers, and church leaders. You could even consider a professional testing service if you really get stuck. Include on this list things that you want to do well and don't mind investing the time to develop them. It's important that when you list your talents that you are as specific as possible. Remember, a calling is the most important thing you can do in which you would be the most difficult to replace. People who have general skills are easy to replace. People who have a very specific set of skills are hard to replace. Therefore, your calling is the unique sphere in which you operate where your skills and capacities make it very difficult to get rid of you. On the last column on the piece of paper, write down audience. Who is it that you are going to serve in your calling? Who are you doing this for? Putting a face to your calling narrows the field of whom you will help and simplifies your selection process. For example, serving the world is a tall order, but serving overweight 13 to 19 year old girls in the South Bronx is very manageable. What I would recommend is spending serious time thinking about, evaluating, and reevaluating what you wrote down on your paper. The goal is to develop two to three potential callings. This exercise is not easy, but sincere effort will yield fruit in real life. It is crucial to take this exercise seriously and to be as precise as possible because fuzzy answers will lead to a fuzzy calling, which will only leave you fuzzy. On the other hand, having specific and concrete ideas will yield a precise calling which will leave you encouraged and motivated with a clear sense of direction. When you are done with this exercise, it's time for the final step. How to find my calling? Step number three. Discern what is the most important thing you can perform in which few can replace you. After you have filled in your paper and developed a few possible callings, how do you go about cutting out the fat to determine which one is your calling? The answer is decide on the one in which you would be the hardest to replace. One thing that helps you make that decision is to consider that you may not make any money in your calling, at least in the beginning. Yet because your passion fuels your purpose, you are willing to work in your calling for free. This by itself makes you less and less replaceable because you are not doing it for the money. You are doing it for God's glory in service to your fellow man. Therefore, it's not the highest bid that wins, it's the highest service. 
You also want to choose something where you think you will be the most impactful. This means your ultimate calling may not utilize the thing you are most talented in because the greatest need is for your lesser talents. Competition may also play a role. You want to do something where you can add value, not just offer what someone else already is because in fact, they may be doing a better job. Also, always remember that a calling is not about consumption, it is about creation. In your calling, you are creating lasting value that other people can use in their life and that other generations can use when you are long gone. A calling is never about what you can get or what you want in life, it is about what you will leave behind for others so that they can repeat the process. The ultimate example of this is Christ, who left this world with nothing and in turn gifted thousands of generations with the greatest gift imaginable, salvation. So after you settle on your calling, which may take days, weeks, or months, what's next? You set some goals. You see, a person who has a clear picture of their calling will wake up every single day with a sense of contentment, inner peace, and joy, knowing that you can take concrete steps towards serving your maker and those around you. But how will you serve? Where is your service going? To answer these questions, you must also have a set of goals. A calling is the fire that drives the engine. A goal tells you where you're going. You can set goals for one week, one month, and one year. No one can define goals for you, but your calling will define the contours of your goals. The only rule for goal making is that whatever you set out to do, you must finish. Success in anything begins with a commitment to do what you say you will do. It's perfectly okay to stumble and to fall short when you set your goals, but what separates those who excel from those who fall is if you get back up again, dust yourself off, and keep on pursuing your goals in order to fulfill your calling, all for the glory of the Lord. Do you feel lost or confused? Are you unsure about what to do next and want to discern God's will for your life? Do you have a question or concern and seek a biblical answer? Or do you just want to talk about it? The biblical counselors at Wise Word can help. Wise Word is a virtual biblical counseling ministry that helps people who need help making life decisions. Our counsel is based on the Word of God alone, which is sufficient for everything pertaining to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 Wise Word can help you get clarity, find peace of mind, and secure the comfort that comes from making a biblically informed decision. And not only will you get trustworthy biblical help on what to do next, you will also receive a customized life health guide to assist you in taking steps forward. Proverbs 11.14 tells us that where there is no guidance, people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. So if you or someone you know needs biblical counsel, go to wiseword.bible and schedule a consultation. Use promo code WCSK2020 through the month of December for a special discount. Again, that address is wiseword.bible, and you can follow a link in the podcast description. Wise Word. Get personalized and specific biblical advice when you don't know what to do.